About two years ago, I was reading an article about a small nation in Africa that had taken drastic steps to rid itself of rebels that were infiltrating the countryside and just kind of wreaking havoc all over the entire country. The UN peacekeepers had been there for quite a while. They had been there for several years, and they would kind of drive into a village and kind of unload the trucks and walk around and, and give a show of force, and the rebels would kind of go into the, to the, bush, the, the, the bush and you'd never see them. And then the UN peacekeepers would leave, and they'd come out and, and shoot a whole bunch of people and take right back up where they started from. Well, this country finally decided to thank the UN very much for their time but sent them on their way, and they hired their own army. They bought a bunch of mercenaries. They brought them into the country, and the mercenaries for about four months did all of their recon and their research, and they figured out who kind of the key leaders were in this rebellion. And then they hid out, and they waited for those guys to come to town, and then they slaughtered them. They killed them all. And guess what? They had peace in that country. But mercenaries are pretty expensive, and so they couldn't keep them on board. So eventually, after about a year or so, the mercenaries left, and guess what? New rebels came in. And they were right back where they started from. I find it interesting that the way the world looks at a pathway towards peace typically is through violence. <laughs> Kill your enemies and then you won't have any enemies anymore. That's kind of how it's been since Cain decided that his brother Abel was his enemy. And it's been that way up until this very day. And yet when you look at the gospel, the polar opposite is true. When God decided he wanted to rid himself out of his enemies, he didn't bring death. He brought life. He brought forgiveness. He brought grace. He brought mercy. And through the action of the Lord Jesus, he brought peace Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. If you're a disciple of Jesus this morning, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, we are called to actively pursue peace. We are called to be part of God's hands and feet, so to speak, that bring peace into any and every circumstance in which we find ourselves. So Christians right off the bat don't get to select where there'll be a peacemaker and where they won't. You can't say, well, I really like my homeroom teacher, but my fourth-hour algebra teacher drives me crazy, so I'm not going to try to be a peacemaker in there. I can't say, well, you know, I really love my spouse, but my kids are kind of driving me nuts, so I don't need to be a peacemaker with my kids, but I will be with my spouse. I can't say, well, I'll be a peacemaker with this employee, but not with that employee. Scripture doesn't leave any room for us to negotiate this. Blessed are the peacemakers not in any particular circumstance, in every situation, in every circumstance. So we are called by Jesus to actively pursue peace in order that we are identifiable as the children of God. That's the promise that comes at the end, for they shall be called the sons of God. So what would it look like for you and for me to actively be involved in peacemaking every day of our lives, in every relationship, in every set of circumstances? The first question we're going to look at this morning is how do we actively pursue peace? The second will be what are the obstacles in the way? What, what maybe hinders us or hampers our efforts? Then what is the, the pathway to peace? And ultimately, if we get on that pathway, what is the result of our peacemaking efforts? That's where we're headed this morning. What does it mean to actively pursue peace? I'm going to give you a couple of observations here. The first one is that I can't pursue peace until I'm right with God through Christ Jesus. You see, when Scripture talks about peace, it always talks about peace in the first context of the vertical relationship, my relationship with God. 
Again, you could take the Beatitudes and, and you could share them around the world. We could buy a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of newsmakers and uh, newspapers and put out this information. Say, if everybody would just try to be better at being meek, if everybody would just try to be a, a little bit better at being merciful, the world would be a better place in which to live. And while that's true, ultimately, at the end of the day, only disciples of Jesus, because of his power, because of his word, because of his spirit, can be indwelled with these opportunities to make a radical change for the gospel. So as we look at what it means to be active in pursuing peace, we have to first look at our own hearts. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, and he's talking about Jesus when he says him, for in him, that being Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven, excuse me, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. My first step to be an active peacemaker is to make sure that I am in a right relationship with God through the Lord Jesus. The second aspect of actively pursuing peace is having a holistic understanding of the word. The word peace in the Old Testament, which Jesus uses here in the New Testament, is the word shalom, and you've probably heard that word used before. Shalom is not just saying to someone, hello. Shalom is not just saying to someone, hello, how are you? Shalom is not just saying to someone, hello, how are you, and have a nice day. Those are kind of the typical ways in which we greet each other when we, when we pass one another at work or we see each other first thing in the morning. Say, hi, how are you? I hope you have a great day. Peace means, shalom means the complete well-being of another person. So it's not just the absence of conflict. It's not just saying, well, kind of the waters are kind of still right now, so that's peace and that's good. Shalom peace means that every corner of our lives is touched by the presence of God and that there's a, there's a stillness, a quietness, a peacefulness in our heart that comes from his presence, but it, it touches every area of our lives. It touches our intellect. It touches our checking account. It touches our marriages. It touches our child rearing. It touches how we are students in school. They're, again, just as we're to pursue peace in every area, God is talking about a peace that impacts every nook and cranny of our lives. You can be a peacemaker just by kind of doing the day out and day out things that, that disciples of Jesus should do in any context. Let me give you a really goofy example. For about a year, as we would go in and out of our house uh, through the side door, Cindy would say, this side door needs to be replaced. It's just all beat up, and we've raised three kids in this house, and we just need a new side door. And I would, and I would be walking by her, and I would say yes, but that's not what I was thinking. What I was, what I was thinking was, looks fine to me. I go, I'd turn the knob, and then it opened. And I'd come in, and I'd turn the knob and close it. The lock still worked. So what? It's a little beat up on the outside. So what? 7,000 hockey pucks have been bounced off and through playing hockey in the driveway. So what if, you know, it works. It's functional. It's okay. It's kind of cracking and brittle. I get it. Kind of the paint's falling off, but it's still a functional door. Now, I never once said to Cindy, I don't care about you. I never once said to Cindy, I don't want there to be any peace in your life. But friends, you may not, you may have to think about this for a minute, but that's exactly what I was saying. The way I became a peacemaker in my house was to buy a new door. It's pretty much that simple. And I say, Tom, that's kind of a goofy thing, but you multiply that out every day of your marriage. 
You multiply that out every day that you're a parent. You multiply that out every day you're a teacher in a school or a business owner or an employee, and you think about all the million little ways we don't bring peace into one another's lives. And we just kind of skip by it, and we, and we say, have a great day. And we don't actually think about being part of you having a great day. What's my role in you being at peace with God in your life? If we're going to be peacemakers, it means that we actively think about and act on the, the thoughts that we have on ways that we can bring peace, shalom, into one another's lives. One other thought on actively pursuing peace, and it's, and it's at the very bottom of the page, I don't look for conflict for the sake of conflict. I've had people say to me before, you know, I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the troublemaker around here. I'm kind of the one who is always, you know, kind of shaking the bushes and seeing what falls out. I'm, I'm kind of the one that stirs the pot. And they say it as if stirring the pot is a spiritual gift that's found in Scripture. <laughs> Look, you know, I know where the spiritual gifts are found. I know they're in the book of Galatians. I, I can wander over there and I can read the spiritual gifts and I've never seen pot stir. I've never seen rabble rouser. I've never seen troublemaker as a spiritual gift. But, but some of us live as if that were true. Some of us don't only, don't only not avoid conflict, we, we run headfirst toward it. We love conflict because it's actually the way we intimidate everybody else. And it's actually the way we control our own world. Because we want to define peace the way we want to define it. And for those of us that are like that, we scare everybody else to death. But you know what? Deep down inside our hearts, we know it. And we like it because we want to be in control. You can't be a peacemaker and be in control. It doesn't work that way. By being a disciple of Jesus, I'm saying that I submit my life and my will to him and to his will. And for me to be the one who stirs the pot, so to speak, is actually diametrically opposed to that which God is after in my life and in the lives of others around me. Listen to what one commentator wrote about this, this, um, this thought. Peacemakers are sometimes troublemakers for the sake of peace, okay? So there are times when you got to kind of rock the boat a little bit if something's wrong. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. But not troublemakers who spread rumors and gossip about others. If you're constantly fomenting dissent, if you, uh, discontent, if you find joy in the report of trouble and scandal, if you are omnicritical, always finding fault, if you are unwilling to be involved in peacemaking, if you are mean, if these negative qualities characterize your life, you are probably not a true Christian. Wow, that's a tough statement. I'm not even sure that omnicritical is a word, <laughs> but it describes me sometimes. And if I'm going to be a peacemaker, as we'll, we'll see in, in a few moments, there is a moment, there is a time to actually engage in the conflict. But my heart is not conflict for the sake of conflict. Well, if we're going to actively pursue peace, what are some of the ob obstacles that may stand in our way along this journey? We've got a few here. The first one is, the, is just the idea of fear, that you, we just don't like conflict. Maybe you grew up in a home where people yelled a lot, and just loud voices just kind of make you cringe a little bit. Maybe you grew up in a, play, in, a, in a home where everybody just kind of, as soon as somebody said a negative word, everybody just kind of ran away and just you know, got as far away from conflict as at all possible. And you describe peace by there just not being any of that. There's just not any noise. There's just not anybody yelling or screaming. There's nobody upset. There's no tension in the room. So it's all okay. But what you end up being is an appeaser. Because your goal is not peace. Your goal is the absence of somebody scaring you or the absence of somebody trying to be pushy with you. 
And that's not true peace, but it can certainly be how we define it sometimes. So fear of conflict can be part of an obstacle to peace. Ignoring the true issues that really do need addressing. Look at Jeremiah chapter 6. He's, Jeremiah is speaking, by, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the false prophets. He's talking about the prophets who have gone around to the nation of Israel, which is an absolute rebellion against God. Everything God said to do, they're not doing it. Everything God said don't do, they're doing it with gusto. And the false prophets come along and they say, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. God loves you. You have no problems. And so he says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly. In other words, they, they're not taking this seriously, as if this stuff doesn't matter. And the way they've done that is they've said, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Friends, if we're going to be peacemakers, we're going to have to deal with issues as they come up. We're going to have to deal with issues that disturb the peace. I give you a very simple example. Last Wednesday night, we were in a session meeting with all the elders. We're going through church business and dealing with a lot of things. And at one point, I made a comment about something, and I, I was going into the next comment. And one of the elders stopped me. He said, Tom, wait a minute. He goes, I really disagree with what you just said. And, in fact, and he said why. He kind of explained it for a second. He said, now, if you really believe what you said, we got a real serious problem here. We, that, that's not right. We shouldn't be looking at each other that way. And I stopped for a second by God's grace, and I thought about it. And I looked at him, and I said, I accept that. You are absolutely right. We need to go in a different direction. I did not mean what I just said, and thank you for pointing it out. Now, that was like a miracle of all miracles. You think Jesus walking on water is impressive? Me immediately repenting of my sin? Trust me, walking on water is a whole lot easier than that. I don't mean to disrespect the Lord, but he knows my heart. How quickly I can be defensive and say, no, you didn't understand me. You know, I, if you were a little bit holier, you would really know what I was talking about. No, 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 Tom, stop, right? I can't ignore the issues. They need addressing. And that brother loved me well in that moment. And he moved our meeting in a, in a, in a great direction where we actually got some things done that we needed to get done. So we cannot be peacemakers. If we allow the obstacle of ignoring, dealing with what really needs to be addressed, stand in our way. I've already talked about this, so I'm not going to go into detail. Just actively working against peace. Being that person that just decides you're going to be the, the, the troublemaker. But there's also another obstacle, and it's the desire within my heart. Okay, Maybe it can be a desire within your heart to win. That desire to just, to just prove the other person wrong, to, to show that I'm right, however you want to frame that, is greater than my commitment to true peace. And here's the way to identify it in your life, because there are times when you enter into conflict, when you got to kind of go at it a little bit in order to get the real peace. When you're in that moment, when you're having a very serious conversation, when you're, when you're discussing something, you're trying to find a way to the pathway of peace, and you're looking at the other person with whom there's a disagreement, do you love them dearly at that moment? Are you wanting the very, very best for their life? Are you willing to do anything to help them be in the love of God and Christ the way they should be? If the answer to that is no, then I'm not a peacemaker at that moment. I'm a fighter. I'm out for me, not for them. But if we understand that we can sincerely disagree with the, with the direction of a person's life and speak about that, but do so because we are loving unconditionally, then we can get around that obstacle. If there's one person in my life who, who fits this description, it's my daughter Katie, and it's probably because she and I are the most alike. I think the last time she came to visit, might have been two times ago, but I think it was the last time she came to visit, I'm pretty sure we had gotten home from the airport before it started. 
but maybe by about three minutes, okay? And our house is about 20 minutes from, from the airport. There's something about Katie and I that we just want to go at it. But if I would just stop and say, Tom, right now, do you want the very best for your daughter? And is it coming out in the way you're speaking to her? Are, are, you, are you exemplifying the love of God? Are you really being a peacemaker? Or are you just trying to make your point? And I believe that if we will look at our hearts carefully, we'll probably see that the desire to win is a little more deeply seated and a little more deeply rooted than we would care to admit. But if we would allow God's grace to begin to work in that area of our lives, we can move that, God can move that obstacle and we can begin to be real peacemakers. And the last one is simply an absence of repentance and humility. And I mentioned the miracle of the session meeting the other night, how slow I am to repent of my sin. I can even be involved in peacemaking for the right motives, but use the wrong tone of voice. I can be involved in peacemaking for the start out in the right place and then end up being very self-righteous. Am I willing to be humble? Am I willing to repent of my sin? And let me challenge you on this as well, friends, and this is, it's a challenge for me, but when confronted, are we willing to listen? When someone comes to us who is truly seeking to make peace, but the only pathway to peace is to talk about what I did that was offensive against them, am I willing to give them an audience? Am I willing to listen? Am I willing to, to take the rebuke or the correction or whatever it may be because I know that person is seeking peace of my li- in my life? There's way too much arrogance in the human heart most of the time. And when we're confronted, we want the other person to understand why they're wrong, not why I need to repent. And that is a huge obstacle in a church and in a marriage and in an individual life to really getting to true peacemaking. If, so, if every time someone says something to you about, can I share something, and then your immediate reaction is, as long as you are ready for me to give you the 10 things about you, then maybe you have an issue with repentance. Maybe I have an issue with humility. These are obstacles to peace, to being peacemakers. What about the pathway to peace? How do, where, how do we get on that pathway? Well, the first thing I want to point out here is true peace, remember, first of all, is vertical. So part of being a peacemaker is being an evangelist, is sharing the gospel with others. It's bringing people to Jesus. Remember when Philip first heard Jesus, he went and found his buddy Nathaniel. He said, hey, we found the Messiah. Come and see. You're, this, is, this is amazing. Come and, come and check this out. How much of my life is spent in that arena? Hey, guess you're not going to believe what happened to me. Come and let me introduce you to Jesus. Peacemaking starts with the human heart being made right before God in Christ. But the second part of the pathway to peace is being willing to risk for the sake of of making peace. And it is a risky business. You may confront me and I may respond in anger. I might confront you about something and say, look, we really, I want to get to the heart of this. And you may completely misunderstand my motives. You might confront me on something, say, we really need to work through this. We need to get to a true peace. And I may reject you as a friend and never want to speak to you again. There are huge risks in becoming a peacemaker. But the greater risk is that people's hearts and minds are broken and lost. St. Francis spoke of this risk, and you probably heard this prayer, very famous prayer. St. Francis of Assisi prayed, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. So let let me be a peacemaker. Where there is hate, may I bring love. Where offense, may I bring pardon. May I bring union to the place of discord. If you step into into the conversation of a couple people in discord and you seek to bring peace, that's a risky deal. (laughs) 
If you seek to, to, to talk to people about love when the room is filled with hatred and suspicion, you aren't going to be just immediately loved and people put up a plaque next to your name and say what a great peacemaker you were. There's a great risk in seeking the peace. Sydney and I saw a movie yesterday, Monument Men, and I'm going to tell you about a scene, but it's in the trailer, so it's not, I'm not like ruining it, okay? So if you saw the previews, you saw this. There's, these guys are in World War II, and there's a group of them, and they've been sent to Europe because the Nazis are either hiding or destroying all the great pieces of art that are all around Europe. And so they've been tasked to go in to try to stop this before the end of the war and to, and to save these pieces of, of art, sculptures, paintings, so on and, and so forth. There's a scene in the movie where they're kind of in this cave underground, and one of the soldiers comes around the corner, and he's confronted with, with his buddy who's standing there perfectly still. I mean, he's, he's like not, he's not even blinking his eyes, he's not moving. And the guy came around the corner and went, what's wrong with you? And he said, I stepped on a landmine. So he's standing on a, on a live mine. And his friend kind of backs up a step, and he goes, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I won't tell you how it, all, how it all turns out, but I think when I see somebody saying, I really got to step into this situation and seek to bring peace, sometimes I look at that and go, why would you want to do that? Sometimes when God calls me to, to engage with people for the cause of the gospel, and, and I might have to be the person that's saying, you know, brother, you know, sister, we got to look at this. I'm not sure you're headed in the right direction. I stop and think, why would I want to do that? <laughs> I'd rather just go home and watch TV, okay? It's interesting, at the end of the movie, because there are casualties in the movie because it's World War II, the, the, the guy who headed this thing up is being asked by President Truman this question. You know, these people lost their lives for this statue or this painting, or do you think it was worth it? Do you think it was worth it? And he answers emphatically, yes. And I think that's the question we have to ask. Is it worth the risk? Well, when you look at a human heart and a human soul, I think the answer has to be emphatically, yes. But the pathway to peace is not only bringing sinners to Christ, not only risking for the sake of peace, but it's also risking in the right frame of mind, being gentle and not pugnacious. I just wanted to use that word pugnacious. That's just a, that's just a great word. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, and he doesn't just mean, oh, we caught you, we found out. That's kind of what it sounds like. But it also means if somebody's stuck in it, they can't get out of it. They, they kind of live this way, and it's not doing them any good. They're kind of in, in a rut, so to speak, spiritually. You who are spiritual, spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The way you're gentle is you remember your own sin. The way you're gentle is you remember how you would like to be treated if someone were coming to you to share a growth opportunity in your life, right? When you're going to hear the bad news, Tom, you know what? We got to talk to you about your temper. You know, Jim, we got we got to talk to you about, you know, about what seems to be a lot of a lot of greed in your life, you know. Uh, Julie, we got to talk to you, uh, you know, about your gossip. Whatever it is, how would you like to be approached? You'd probably like to be approached with gentleness. You'd probably like to be approached by someone you know loves you and really does want the best for you because you kind of know in the heart of hearts that they're right and you're going to have to listen to it anyway. So if you think about that before you approach someone, if I think about that before I approach somebody, chances are it'll turn out okay. What's the result of being a peacemaker? Well, there's one that, that kind of goes without saying and it isn't what's written here, but I think there will be a spiritual vitality in the life of any couple, family, 
church family, spiritual family, where we are really seeing the, the work of God in our lives. I think there will be something that's very, very healthy about being a peacemaker. But the promise here is not just spiritual health, health, but what is the promise? They will be called sons of God. These people who are involved in peacemaking will be identified as God's sons, and it's not by the world. What Jesus is not saying here is that the world will look at you and go, you must be God's son. Oh, you must be God's daughter. I can see that clearly because you're a peacemaker. The audience is not everybody in the world. The audience is one, and the audience is God the Father. And what Jesus is saying is when you act like God the Father, when you're a peacemaker, that's what God the Father does all the time, you'll look like him. Now, we can, I'm going to give you an example, an illustration to help this, because I think we can all get it. We've all been on one side or the other of this conversation. We've all either been children to whom parents are speaking, or we've been parents speaking to or about our children, okay? So this is in the context of, of, of moms and dads and sons and daughters. We've all been in a situation where the spouse looks at what's going on with the children, or one child in particular, and then they look at the other spouse and they say, that's your kid, <laughs> Right? Right? We've, or we've been on the receiving end where mom and dad looked at me and then they looked at the, they said that, you know, he belongs to you, right? We've also been in situations that are kind of neutral. Maybe you're, you're at a sports event or somebody that's like, who's, oh, who's, who's that? And, and one of you says, oh, that's our, that's our son. Oh, that's our daughter. There's, there's, you know, it's neither good nor bad. But then there are other times where something great has happened and they got it. You know, maybe they, they did the right thing in a tough situation. And then the spouses are going the other direction. Then they're trying to be quick to claim them. You know, that's my boy. That's my girl. Right? Let me give you an example. Watch the screen. Cindy, do you want to say anything right now? <laughs> That's my boy. Right? There's a little Schmidt blood in him too, I guess, but that's mostly Rick's. Um, infinitely more important than that. Because the love of a human father or a love of a human mother is, is deep and it is profound, but infinitely more deep than that. When we take on the peacemaking characteristics of our Heavenly Father, it's not about getting your salvation or losing your salvation. It's about the favorable pleasure of our Father who looks at us. So that's my boy. That's my girl. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we realize that the calling to be a peacemaker is a high calling and it is a hard task. It's difficult enough just to examine the motives of our own hearts and see where we need to be corrected and where we need to change, much less being used by you to bring peace into the lives of those around us. But this is the, the one beatitude that speaks of how we look like God when it, when it happens. And the reward is that our Father recognizes it. He calls it out. So that's, my, that's my kid right there. So, Father, help us to be peacemakers. Help us to look like you.
In Jesus' name, amen.